This episode of Bright Hearth is brought to you by Indigo Sundries Soap Company, Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial, Private Family Banking, and by our supporters at Patreon.com. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Romans 5, 3-4. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bright Hearth. We're so excited to be here with you and taking up what I think is really a great question, one that we've struggled ourselves through and hopefully can pass on some of the gleanings that we came through the uh, challenge with. Uh, I'm going to be enigmatic, though, and before I tell you the question, I've got two announcements for you guys. And one of them is, you know, bittersweet, bittersweet. And it's that Bright Hearth is going to be going to every other week for, we've been releasing every Monday through our main seasons for quite some time. And we have six children. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, we just have a lot more. We got a lot going on. And we don't want to like now. lower the quality of what we release. So yeah. um, we're going to be releasing every other Monday, uh, just like clockwork. We'll still be releasing our in the kitchen episodes on Patreon normally, like all that kind of stuff. But we will be going to that schedule, at least for the foreseeable future. I'm scheming about some things to add in the off weeks as well that I think would be helpful, but not a main episode. But so. we are still doing in the kitchens every yeah, week. Yeah, we'll be doing yeah. in the kitchens every week yeah. over on our Patreon channel, which if you don't know is a short, very practical, like mini podcast that we do just for patrons and supporters mm-hmm. there. Um, so that's the first announcement. Second announcement is that We've teamed up with uh, a, a partner, a, a small business called Indigo Sundry Soap Company that I just wanted to shout out here up front um, because Lexi and I have been so impressed with the quality of what they make that we said, we want to be a long-term partner with you guys, not just run an ad here and there for you, but actually like try to make this company a household name to compete with Dr. Squatch and also just all the terrible soaps out there, so... What's Dr. Squatch? Dr. Squatch is this like all-natural soap company. Okay. That they have funny advertising. I see it all over the place. But Indigo Sundries is a little small household company, and they've been making cold-processed soaps for like 20 years, and they have incredible quality. They don't use any seed oils or phthalates or literally any of the bad stuff. It's like all olive oil, natural soaps. They're really high-quality Indigo sundry soap. Just took soaps. a shower. Did you use some it? Other soap, yeah. Nice. Look at that. I've been using it with the same bar on head to toe for like yes. months at this point. Yes, we use shampoo bars. We don't use shampoo much yes. anymore. So I'm a big fan of the five and ten bar bundle that they've got. They have a Cambrian blue uh, clay soap that's really good <gasps> that I love. They have I a know. clay one. I used it. How did I not know? I Where know. is it? <laughs> I used it. <laughs> And uh, actually, they use clay in almost all of their, in a lot of their soaps oh. as a very mild exfoliant. Anyway, just wanted to tell you guys about them. Go check them out. Support them. They do really great work. And uh, Are we allowed uh, to say Garrett makes beautiful guitars on the side? Yeah, Garrett too. also <laughs> makes beautiful. He made me a beautiful guitar, which a lot of you probably have seen as well. But uh, just all around great family yeah, doing good really stuff. Cool. And it's crazy how much bad stuff there is in soap. And it like, is weird. Yeah. They're not even allowed to call most of it soap. Really? You have to call it like cleansers. That like $1 nice. Dove bar of soap is not actually soap. It's like chemical cleanser. So they're actually soap. Anyway, uh, babe, what's our question for today? I thought this was a great one. 
Okay, our question is, we have encountered significant struggles with our youngest son in learning how to read. We suspect he may have dyslexia or some other issue going on since all of our other kids caught on totally normally with the same program. You guys mentioned working through this same issue. Any advice? Great question. Before we get into it, why did you pick that little cold open verse? How does that connect? (laughs) Yeah, so when we were kind of at the height of trying to figure out, which our children, none of them have ever had an official diagnosis, by the way. We didn't tell them. No one really knows what dyslexia is in our home. Um, And I kind of would like to keep it that way. Yeah, we don't like give them a big (laughs) label that they're now allowed to be like, oh, um, I'm sorry, I have listexia. I can't. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I can't do that. But so I had a a friend, an older mom that I really trust, kind of get me in touch with a Christian dyslexia counselor of sorts. And I had been studying this for years, but I could not find any Christian resources per se on the topic. And it was just like such a breath, a fresh of breath, a breath, a breath, a fresh air. Wow. (laughs) I have dyslexia. It was very encouraging to talk to this counselor and that, and he used that verse just kind of to remind me like God is using this hard season in parenting or education of your child to produce something good in you and your husband and your child. And it was just the encouragement I needed. It wasn't like a band-aid for fix all. It was like, this is the point of the suffering is to mold you guys all more into Christ. So that was just very encouraging. And it really kind of was the moment when things really did start to change for us because a lot of the dyslexia talk is kind of like fatalist, like you were saying. Yeah, it's fatalist, it's determinist. Yeah, and we had had some other, I mean, I'll get into Yeah, just a great later. foundation to start from that all of our trials that come into our lives are kind of, like, they're tailor-made yeah. to sanctify us in our circumstances. Mm-hmm. They're passing through the hands of a sovereign God. Mm-hmm. So it's it can be really frustrating when you when you have a child particularly with some kind of learning disability or something like that, that you're just going, Lord, I know that you've required of me that I would raise this child in the discipline and instruction of the Lord and that I'm trying to do a good job and educate them well and give them this great inheritance. And then why did you let this happen? Yeah, Like where now I feel like I can't do any of that. And I'm, yeah, maybe you're hitting your head against your wall in homeschooling where feel like you're taking 80% of your time on one child and the other children are like struggling. And so we feel all of that. I think it's important to start anytime we're looking at an issue with parenting or uh, especially parenting through these trials of providence that God just put in your lap. It passed through his hands. He's not out of control, but they feel like they just put this huge obstacle in front of you of doing what God's required of you. Uh, so it's important, I think, to start with that, that God is working all these things together for our good, for your child's good even, that God is not, he only does us good. Everything he gives us is a gift. Even hard things are a gift from the Lord to shape us into his image, to sanctify us, to purify us, to teach us faith, to trust in him, and our children as well. And so when your children have a dragon or they have an appointed trial in there, because it's hard for them too. Yeah. It's very hard for them. Yeah. You have to remember, the Lord gave that trial to your child, and will see them through it by faith. And I will say this up front, I was kind of a disbeliever Mm -hmm. in learning differences before this. 
I had taught in school. I had grown up homeschooled. Mm-hmm. My mom occasionally wondered if one of my if one of my siblings had it, had mm-hmm. dyslexia. But I was kind of always like, are you sure you just didn't try yeah, hard uh, enough? This was actually, <laughs> I, I jotted this down as I was thinking about this question. For One thing I'd like to ask you at least at first okay. is just, is this a real issue or is it one of those made up modern ailments to help pharmaceutical companies sell drugs to your children? Yeah, yeah. Because well, I think that's what that, you're getting at. That was the thing was I had had, you know, multiple students when I was teaching that parents would come in and say, the doctor needs you to fill out this ADHD slip so I can get my kids uh-huh. on meds. And I always turned them down because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm, I still am uncomfortable with the idea of doing that to a child. But I think I kind of had it under like the behavioral camp of like, mm-hmm. this is just a sin issue. You need to parent better sort of a thing. Ah, yes. So, yes. um, because there is the case where there are lots of things in education and in that world, secularly, and probably unfortunately in the church as well, just where it's like diagnosing normal boyness yeah. as a disorder. Yes, and there can be the streak of like, well, I want learning to be fun. They're having a hard time learning to read. Therefore, I'm not going to teach them to read until it's fun. <laughs> and yeah. it's kind of one of those things where then they're like, well, I think they might be dyslexic. But in reality, it's just that the parent hasn't set up the right kind of habits to follow through on teaching the child something hard. Yeah, I'm not saying you need to start teaching your kid to read at two or three, but I am saying if your kid is within an age appropriate, you know, five to seven, and they're they're kicking against the goads, and the first time you say, oh, it's not fun for him, he can't learn to read, you're not trying hard enough to see what's actually going on. So why don't we start as a baseline? Just how do you normally approach teaching a child to read normally? Okay. What kind of resources are you reaching for? Yeah. General philosophy of teaching kids to read. Again, we're not trying to set in stone some platonic ideal of how to teach a kid to read that yeah. no other way is possible. No, or, yeah, yeah. There's lots yeah, of Yeah, no, actually, I'm changing ways. it with our fourth kid. We're always I'm changing, changing I mean, it, actually. You're learning and growing yeah. and you figure out... But what do you, what do you generally think so, in these days? So generally, I think having a high value of literature from very early, like introducing them to picture books a lot. Try to aim for at least five picture books a day. They're in every day of their life, essentially, which seems so daunting now that I'm thinking of how busy we are. But um, (laughs) then around kindergarten, we start 100 Easy Lessons. Is that teaching your child to read in 100 Easy Lessons? Yes, yeah. And it's it's phonics-based as opposed to the whole whole word approach. You guys, I was a Charlotte Mason stickler. I did it by the book Charlotte Mason with my most brilliant student yet. Uh And he could not learn how to read that way. Uh Uh-huh. And as soon as I pulled out 100 Easy Lessons, he learned to read and was reading... Harry Potter by the time he was six. So I'm not a fan of Charlotte Mason by the book teaching them how to read. I'll just put that out there. So 100 Easy Lessons has been one of my helps. Go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say that's a good point, actually, to not. It's You have to let your your ideas, your theoretical models for how things ought to be, yeah. right, when they contact the real world, sometimes get put aside for a different yeah. method. Yeah, and she she was she taught phonics too, by the way, sort of sure, thing. Yeah, but um, this isn't, and that even wasn't about Charlotte Mason. I'm sure generally. somebody out there is even critiquing me while listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a fan of the whole word approach, which is like look at the whole word and say the whole word instead of breaking words up into sounds, uh-huh. the phonemes, which is how people throughout all of history. It really is. It's a it's a modern approach to teaching children how to read, and it is 
dumbing us all down. It does not work. Whole word? Whole word, yes. Our sponsor, Private Family Banking Partners, is on a mission to help Christians live out the Dominion Mandate by making a stealth-like move away from the mainstream banks and into their own privatized banking system. This innovative system is designed to guarantee uninterrupted compound interest and tax-free growth without exposure to typical stock market risks. To join this growing community that is already building wealth into future generations and converting post-mill talk into post-mill action, contact Private Family Banking Partner Chuck DeLatteranti at his email, chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. That's chuck at privatefamilybanking.com. To set up an appointment and to receive a free copy of Chuck's new book, Protect Your Money Now, How to Build Multi-Generational Wealth Outside of Wall Street and Avoid the Coming Banking Meltdown, go to the links in the show notes below. So um, 100 Easy Lessons is phonics. And it, I really liked it because it was script. It was really easy, open yeah. and go sort of a thing. Um, you, you just follow the script with the kid? Yes. And it literally tells you exactly what to say through the whole thing. Yes. So it the, the, the downside of it is that I just never did because I was the way I was with being so Charlotte Mason, I never explicitly taught my children the ABCs. We sang it when they went potty on the toilet, but I never sat down classroom setting and taught them flashcards. I just didn't do that. So all three of my older kids walked away knowing how to read, but not knowing the names of any of the letters. And that was actually a hard transition once they were older. So that is one of the downsides of that. I am correcting that now with my fourth, but I mean, that's, Kind of my philosophy. Yeah, that's the baseline. Yeah. A lot of reading aloud. Phonics. Good books with good good pictures, good illustrations. Phonics. And then at our school at St. Brendan's, we're generally trying to have kids come in because we start at first grade in our school, not Mm -hmm. kindergarten. We want them to be reading Mm -hmm. by the time they come in. And or at least very, very much on the very familiar with on the path. Uh, Yeah, phonics phonics. and blends. And uh, part of that you will run into when you're educating your kids. You just immediately, especially once you have a couple, you just run into how different they are (laughs) where one of your kids will just pick up things reading immediately. Yeah. And it's like easy and they just love it. And then another kid, they just struggle with some concepts or, or just in general at all. And maybe, maybe you have some boys that are like reading is a huge struggle for them. I had a really hard time learning to read. When I was a lad, they thought, I, you know, people were starting to say, like, you you know, your kid has a, a learning disability. And then in about second grade, I took off mm-hmm. in reading all of a sudden and just, you know, was reading like high school level by the end of sixth grade. So it's, yeah, it's every kid is different and you you do have to be careful not to rush to like, there must be something wrong with my kid. Yeah if they're harder to teach than the other one. And the only reason I was more aware of it, even though I was disbelieving of it was because we had had multiple concussions with other issues at that point. Yeah. So I was genuinely trying to figure out, is this, is there something going on in the brain that I need to be aware of correcting because of these other issues we've had? So let's talk about that. How did we first begin to suspect? What were some of the things that you're like, maybe this is more than just a boy not liking reading or being a slower learner on reading, but something that is actually more, um, I don't know, formally going wrong. Like yeah. Something more medically going wrong or what's the word even? I don't even know the right word. 
in his brain. Academically? <laughs> neurologically? Like, neurologically. Yeah, neurologically. That's the word I was looking sorry. for. Like, is there something neurologically happening that is stopping this kid from learning? Because there's such thing as like stuff being hard to learn, but your kid they might have to put in three times more effort than Correct. the other kid to learn the same amount, but they can learn it. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between that and someone who genuinely more effort is not going to lead to them Correct. learning the thing unless Correct. you fix a mechanical Something or a neurological yeah. problem. Or it, the, the way I think about it is like, as an illustration, imagine telling a 12-year-old boy to walk up to a, a, a weightlifting bar with 400 pounds on it and deadlifting it. He, no matter how much effort he puts in, he could put in a hundred percent of his effort. He's never going to be able to budget. But if you start him sequentially from his weight, he could work up to 400 pounds. But you're describing the two different models of dyslexia right there, which is a huge divide. Oh, I mean, I'm just talking about like a general in general, the yeah. difference between someone who has a problem at all, like mm-hmm. where they're more effort will fix it versus now imagine telling somebody that didn't have hands walking up to a bar and being like, Hey, lift this up. It's like, correct. They both can't lift it for different reasons. One of them could get there and the other one's going to need some help, like some prosthetics or some some kind of help along the way. So what were some of the big things for, for us with our tipping off our son that was like, there might be something here that we need more intervention, more specialized intervention to help. Well, I started him at a reasonable time, I felt, which I think was kindergarten. And I wasn't super pushy about it. And it didn't work out right away using 100 easy lessons. And so I did my typical parenting tactic at that point, which is I'll wait six months. Yeah. Waited six months, tried again. It didn't work. So at that point, I did pull in some other curriculums. I started looking at different curriculums and trying different curriculums. And I honestly don't even remember how many different curriculums I tried it was because a lot. I tried so many and it still wasn't working. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think I actually went back to 100 easy lessons for a third time. And I was just so astonished that we could get through maybe one sound a week, go over the weekend, and then the next weekend, it'd be all gone again. And it, uh-huh. it was the it, was that memory short-term, and memory? short-term memory. Yeah. That was the first thing that I was like, something is going on. Because there's long-term memory. Short-term memory and working memory. There was, I could figure out there was something in the processing going on that was different mm-hmm. because I'm, because there's other things that he can remember. What is it about right. this that he can't remember? And it, 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 like to the point where there was a temptation to get frustrated with oh, us yeah. and be like, are you messing with me? Well, that's what we weren't. That's why it was so discouraging for so long is because we couldn't figure out what is going on? Because you hit all these other milestones. You're brilliant. You can go out and identify all these plants on the mountainside. Like sing a whole song from memory. And we're like, why is it that you can't remember the sound? Or you knew it five minutes ago. Or in music notes. Yeah. Music notes. Actually. Yeah. That was another big one. that felt off. you could say this sound is, what is this sound? And they'd be like, I don't know. I mean, like yeah. sometimes it was almost that. Extreme. It, no, it really was. And it, and that's, that's what I mean. You know, there's something processing because, yeah. and this is where, when I grew up, I thought dyslexia was flipping letters back, backwards. Yeah. There's something going on in their processing, whether they're receiving information through their eyes, they can't say it orally, they can't write it correctly, which can flip it around, or like they're listening to something and they can't say it. There really is something 
between sensing information with one sense and trying to translate it through another sense that processing isn't there. And yeah. that's what I didn't understand. So then we tried glasses. We were like, well, let's let's get his eyes checked out. Yeah, maybe he can't see the page. Yes. And there were some. He did. He had some, which is some stuff. Uh, some dyslexics have tracking issues with their eyes. And he did. Which he did have. <laughs> which is like you so, put a finger in front. Yeah, when you it. when you bring your finger between your nose, you should be able to follow it the whole way. Like closer to If their eyes further. dart in opposite directions at one point. And it's weird it's to look at. It's a tracking issue. Like you put your finger out and then you bring it closer to their nose and then out again. Yeah. And like all of a sudden one eye would just be like boom and like zoom <laughs> off and start doing crazy stuff. And it was funny because it's like a microcosm for the personality of this exactly. child. Exactly. <laughs> where they were just like Boom! Like, whoa! What? <laughs> okay. What? 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 So <laughs> yeah, so that helped a little bit, and um, I think at that point I was like, assuming like he's probably dyslexic, and I need to figure this out. So I don't. I think I had yes, I did. I had a friend um who knew my my son's personality really well and has really helped me so much on this whole thing. Her daughter has had um, learning differences for some genuine. Yeah. Physical trauma type stuff. Yeah. F- from when she was from born. Birth. Yeah. Yeah. So that like diagnosed from a doctor, she's yeah. been working really hard. I've known them for years now. I've watched her homeschool her daughter and all that stuff. So she was a huge help. Thank you, Jess. You're such a help. <laughs> Seriously. And sh- I think the first time I dipped my toes in like the dyslexia world was listening to Sarah McKenzie on read aloud revival, had a two part series where she was interviewing the dyslexia one one author. That was my first step into the world. I got her book and I read it fairly quickly and kind of thought, I do think this is what's going on. So from there on out, we we went with uh, Logic of English, which is a dyslexia-specific program. Yeah. It's very long, very lengthy, and it did work. It did work. And I think there's like four parts to it. We what got was that called again? Logic of English. Logic of English, that's right. Yeah. We got through part B, I think, and that's when he went to school. Yeah. And it was kind of like, okay, we're going to see how this goes. <laughs> making progress. Yeah, making progress. But still having problems. Still having issues. I mean, I still don't think we really know what happened. He became more aware. He wasn't extremely behind by any means. No. He mm-hmm. wasn't, but he was behind. And he started, I, it was one of those weird things where like he had started reading but because he had started reading, he realized how much he couldn't read and how much everyone else around him could read. Yeah. And it was bothering him for the first time where it was finally like, I don't like this. Um, and th- and there were issues with music too. Yeah, and that can be difficult. There's also then this problem, social problem where yeah. your child realizes that they have that there's a difference and then they get in their own head about it. Yes. And then they're like anxious about it. And anxiety is like the worst thing when you're trying to work through a problem or do a difficult task. When you have this program running in your head that's like, everybody's thinking about how dumb I am or Mm -hmm. everybody's thinking Mm -hmm. this about me or everyone's going to be mad that I can't do it kind of thing. Yeah. So that was also another layer to it. Yeah, and that that was definitely really Which, hard. One one thing I'm thankful for, I think this is a a good a benefit of schools or co-ops or you know any kind of schooling or education where you can get with other peers is it can also help you see issues. Sometimes they become more visible mm-hmm. because you're in a group where there's like a broader sometimes when you're in within your own family or just a, maybe it's your first or your second you don't really have as much of a baseline 
or like a a standard to look at your child next to somebody else. Yeah. And, say, and they're all going to be different, all going to have different strengths and develop at different, especially early, like primary school. Kids develop at wildly different rates. Oh, yeah. Educationally. I, and I, that's something I do want to say is I was on the very early end. He was almost too young to do his brain training that he did end up doing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like, I feel like by age 10, you need to have a plan figured out if your son is not reading. Uh But our son was seven at the time, which is very young to be figuring this out. Yeah. So So what did we do next? So he was in school. We started to note there had been some progress, but there were still some issues mm -hmm. with music notation with, and it was, kind of, we, yeah, it was the same exact week. He started having troubles every single day at school uh-huh. and his music teacher called me that day. Yeah. And she's, she was amazing too, because yeah. she, uh, we're in the let's play music program, which we highly recommend. It's like solfege. Um, she has taught probably hundreds of students at this I point, you'd think at least hundreds, it could a be lot thousands. of dyslexic boys, a lot of wiggly boys. Yeah. She's great. And she called me and said, I know he's my hardest worker because he's having to work three times as hard as everybody else to get just as far as. Yeah. And so she was very much on his team, but she said, she also said, I think this is what's going on is dyslexia. So, which can be hard for the notes because you can't see all the lines all the time and you get them mixed up and backwards and all that that stuff. Information processing between your eyes Uh and then it going through your brain and spitting back out to your hand or your mouth to even say what note it is. It, there, it was not going, instead of going in a straight line, like it, to visualize, it's bouncing around six different ways. And yeah. that's harder. Just, it's frustrating for the little guy. Yes. <laughs> and also, he we mentioned it, but he'd had two concussions. I mean, yeah. we're talking about the most wild, active. Yeah. This kid... Which did At affect age, him physically. He like, yeah, he, he was nauseous a lot after that. He yeah. had headaches almost daily. Yeah, he didn't like to drive in the car anymore. So so I was sick. genuinely trying to figure out: is this post concussion syndrome or is this just dyslexia? I yeah. still to this day don't know because there are other things. Hard to say. At that point is when I talked to another mom up in Moscow and just kind of said we had had. Our previous elders at refuge, their daughter was up there and had gone through some dyslexia programs. And I knew they went through a specific program. And then I had another friend up there recommend that program. And they actually got me in touch with the counselor who taught it. At that same time, I had had multiple mothers recommend Brilia for us, which is a homeopathic remedy for like learning differences and anxiety and ADHD type stuff. And honestly, I was pretty skeptical. I just was really skeptical, but I had had like all variety of moms, crunchy and non-crunchy moms tell me you need to try Brilia. And um, it wasn't the kind of thing that's going to harm yeah. the kid if it doesn't work. And yeah, and there were studies. <laughs> right, you can we'll go you can go read the abstracts on their website, which I did, that explain how they're how they're targeting the hormone in the brain that's released when you're having like an anxious fit, essentially. And they said it was like within six weeks, you'll notice a difference. And I did it a little skeptical, but we had some very specific behaviors that we were seeing every single day. And they weren't going away no matter how we were combating them. And it was frustrating and discouraging. And I will say that was like two weeks before Christmas. By the end of Christmas break in January, those habits were gone for the most part. And I was genuinely shocked. So after our six-week round of that, I didn't keep going. You, you could keep going on it if you want to, but I didn't keep going on it. And 
I just really started reading all the books that the, the, the counselor, the counselor told me. And it was so encouraging because he was like, don't be discouraged. I told him, I said, we're just, we've been so worried that this is like our parenting fault that this has happened. And that's when he just kind of, you know, reminded me of like the curse and like God giving us afflictions so that we can grow through them, like the verse in Romans. And he was just a huge cheerleader and said like, I'm going to give you this stack of books. And in a year, God is going to have prepared you in a different way for this. You're going to be a pro at this. You're going to understand it more. So I started reading those books and I definitely learned a lot. And one thing I realized specifically was that there does seem to be like a two different approaches to dyslexia right now. Yeah. One of them is the Band-Aid approach, like let's tutor them to death. Right. Remedial, let's, let's catch them up. Let's just do different sets of flashcards. Let's, you know, do Orton Gillingham tutors. Let's go after school. Remedial potions with Professor Snape. Yeah. And I was pretty taxed on that because here I had someone at, I was still homeschooling at that point because if you don't know, I do still homeschool. Then a child was at school all day. And then I had music when they'd come home for music, Mm -hmm. homework. And then I was still having to teach tutoring on top of that. Yeah. And it was very taxing. I had I did not have very much time in my day at all that was not teaching somebody. So I just kind of was like, this isn't working. So anyways, the books explained that there is a different approach, which is really the neurological approach, which is very new in some ways because it's new and it isn't. It's new because we can actually see what's going on in the brain now. I think some of the science behind this is so new that it's been within like the last 10 years that they can see the dyslexic brain more now. The technology to actually look at how a brain is firing. Yeah. Where the pathways are going, where the activity is lighting up in a brain. Yeah. That's not that old of a technology. You can read, I think it's the woman who changed her brain. I think it was Barbara Aerosmith. And that was a while ago that she wrote that, like maybe in the 80s. So there's people who have suspected this, but now we have the science to prove it. And what it is, is that there are synapses that are not firing on all cylinders in the brain for whatever reason. So it doesn't matter how many band-aids you put over your head. If there's a lack of synapses connecting there, you're not going to have the skill to perform the task. Is it that, to give two illustrations, Mm -hmm. the one thing, if you just keep tutoring, 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 there's improvement. You can see it. But it's because you're basically figuring out how to, instead of your neural pathway running in a straight line, you're running six times longer to do the same task. And so you're learning how to do that instead of fixing the actual problem, the straight line thing. Yeah. Like you're going, if a bridge is broken over a river, yeah, you can either fix the bridge or you can walk six miles upstream to the Ford Correct. and then yeah. back. So tutoring yeah. is like going way up and back. Yeah. The, and the I, long way and I would say like the tutoring model might say something like, Oh, your, your son's probably just not cut out to be an engineer. He'll probably have to do some manual labor. Right. But the model that understands how the brain brains brain works would say, Let's fix the brain because he's so creative as a dyslexic that he probably is going to be a brilliant rocket scientist. Does that make sense? Like Uh the differences, but that's not the overall approach that's really popular for dyslexia. So I started reading these books and I'm like, I don't even know there wasn't a tutor who could 
do this sort of cognitive therapy in the area. Yeah. Um, we tried to find. We tried. We one. tried. We started the online approach. It's very costly, too, as the other thing. Um, yeah. One of them we looked at was going to cost. I think it was. 10. It was around $12,000. Yeah. And we had multiple people we trusted said this. This is a they program you want. No, they had it done it and it worked day. really well. And I was work. like, I will spend $12,000 if it will help because, him overcome this issue. Yeah, because we wanted him, we wanted to give him as many tools to succeed as possible because yeah. there was a lack of confidence there. Yeah, but we were still like, oh my word, $12,000. And it was kind of one of those things deal. where the headmaster didn't necessarily, he wasn't immersed in it. He trusted me, but he wasn't immersed in it like I was. So trying to convince him that no, just tutoring isn't the way to go long-term for the school. I knew that was kind of a big gamble because of how costly these programs were. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, I handed over the books to him and within a weekend he was convinced, praise God, he was convinced that this was a way we needed to go long-term. So he actually became trained as a cognitive brain trainer yeah, headmaster love, our, our one of our pastors. Yeah, so and it it's a it's kind of hard to explain. It's a lot of exercise, a lot of physical activities. You, a lot. The reason dyslexics are so wild in their behavior sometimes it could maybe look like ADD or ADHD yeah. is often because their synapse needs the extra sensory input to make those connections in their brain. A lot of the brain training is highly active activities to force to make those connections there. Even stroke victims go through this exact program. They use like a metronome, which you're hearing going through sounds. And And it's building that bridge against building that bridge in the brain so that, um, yeah, so they're not just coping anymore. There's actually the mechanism there now for their brain to work properly. Yeah. Do you desire to be shrewd financially for your family? It takes wisdom and dedication to build and pass on personal wealth as mature, responsible leaders must. Joe Garrisey with Backwards Planning Financial is at your side to integrate investments, debt, insurance, tax strategies, and legacy planning in a holistic approach. He coaches his clients to act wisely with the resources God expects us to turn a profit on, to love our children and grandchildren well. Tap on the link to his website in the description and contact him to get started. Or visit him directly at backwardsplanningfinancial.com. It's really what was what's crazy about this method. And of course, any scientific medical theory is open to being invalidated or better understood in the future. But the idea of it is that it genuinely is attempting to fix the problem. Yeah. Like genuinely fix the problem, not medicate it, not figure out a way around it. Mm-hmm. It's genuinely attempting to re like to use the illustrate, re- rewire the brain mm-hmm. to do what it wasn't doing before. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that. Guys, like you should always be skeptical when someone says, I'm going to fix this thing. I have this method. It's going to be, of course, we're all skeptical. We're like, I've heard this before. I've heard miracle this, miracle cure this. If you just take this supplement, if you just do my program, you know, all your wildest dreams will come true. Your wife will be giving you the eyes of love all the time. You'll be muscular and handsomer and you'll have an IQ of 300. You're like, okay, well, but... (laughs) What's wild is it actually worked like for our, for our little guy and a uh, lots of other people too. Like we've heard mm-hmm. this, we heard it from so many people we trusted because yeah. this is such a common yeah. issue Yeah, and other people as well. And, and other we people that it. I knew their children were much more severe. Yeah. We had known children. their kids too. 
and then to see he went through this, it's rigorous. It's like 90, 120 hours of... I think it's 60. I don't remember. It's no. either 60, 90, or 120. And I think you can actually do versions yeah. that are all three, um, maybe even more. But this kid now is not that much older than seven, reads mm-hmm. fluently. So he is within a year, because it was yeah. almost a year that this got really bad, was like the peak badness. Yeah. He's night and day different. 100% different. Yeah. He reads fluently, music problems. Mm-hmm. He can completely read music now. He likes, even I didn't make him start piano again this year. And he was like, mom, why don't you put me in piano? And I kind of thought, well, I don't think you want to play anymore. And he's in piano and he loves it. He's doing great. He loves it. He reads so, large adult books, goes through like big, he's not like just reading kitty books that are well below his level. Like yeah. he's actually reading. He's reading at age level. Yeah. At his age level. And I, I mean, I couldn't believe it to be honest. Yeah, it, it was, it did for a while there, it kind of felt too good to be true when some of mm-hmm. the other, there were other behavioral things that did start to fall into place too, which was like, well, why couldn't you just have obeyed me more then? <laughs> or like, yeah, literally some of the time it was, and again, we're not psych, we're not psychotherapeutizing no. sin. No, no, no. But genuinely, if your child has problem, Hearing and understanding a command yeah. and then verbalizing their response to it. it. Because that's the same pathway as reading something and saying it back yeah. or hearing something and yeah, saying it back. Yeah, the logic part of it. That yeah. whole, it does affect behavioral issues because they all they also start to learn like, I'm going to hear, I'm going to get in trouble and then I'm, and then they get anxious about yes, anxious. obedience situations and then they're, even worse at They're it. like reactive. Yeah, very they get reactive. reactive before anything bad is you. No one's even mad at them. They no start one's casting them. like doom and gloom for their future yeah, sort like, of thing. Like no one understands me. Yeah. I'm always getting in trouble and I don't even... And I, you, What we were hearing a lot was I don't understand. Yes, that, that's true right that there. That was one of the things that was like over and over. I don't understand. I don't understand. Mom, dad, I actually, I don't understand what you're telling me. And you. we were like... How do you not understand? We're talking to you right now. Can you tell us back what we just said? Then he do, but I don't understand. It's like okay. (laughs) So one of the things that this how though the 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 brain training we did is that there was like preliminary testing and you look at different types of, and a lot of these kids will and this is adults do this too by the way this kind of training. Mm Like it's all said, ages. It can you be can read that book by Aerosmith that I mentioned. Those were mostly just adults. Yeah, it's not just kids. They test all these different areas, and you'll be able to see, oh, okay, my child tested at the level, maybe they're 12, and they tested at the level of a six-year-old for their working memory. But then in this other area, they were like 90th percentile. And what we learned is that that can actually make it even harder. Yes. When the gap between if they're really good in one area and really poor in another, it actually makes it much harder than if they were closer to average in Mm -hmm. both. Almost like having a really powerful engine where the transmission yeah. is broken. Yeah. Like it actually will break more things the, because it's more powerful. The reading issues were not his lowest. The logic yeah, was his it was lowest. logic. And there were some, it was interesting, Charlotte Masoners be encouraged because there were some things he scored really high on that the headmaster said, it's probably because of the way you did school him that he is as high as he is yeah. given these, In these learning differences. Yeah. yeah. So that was really encouraging. So what is the name of this kind of, again, like we're not also not giving you medical advice. Like I think I'm legally supposed to say that, but what is the um, so name of this kind of It's method? the PACE program uh-huh. is the program through Learning RX. 
So if, mm-hmm. I think learning our access the website. And by the way, not this is not like a sponsored thing. Oh no, just no. in case anybody thinks we're like no shilling for this. No, no this genuinely is what we did. Uh, and some other classical Christian schools use this same program. Yeah, and then the program in Learning RX is that we did is the brain training program. Ah, yes. So Headmaster Love is a brain trainer. Brain and trainer. He, what did he always tell Ira? Like, we're doing push-ups for your brain. So he got yeah. so excited about yeah. it. Ira yeah. loved it. He loved it. Yeah, he did. You we just gave away which child it. this was. Well, it's okay. He, um, <laughs> it's all right. He loved brain training. He'd tell yeah, he people. He was very proud of how much he learned in it. And Yeah. Yeah. He did a great job. Yeah, and it's so. been great. It's been really good to see him have this disability, whatever you want to call it, this challenge actually like fixed i don't think it's a disability i literally think it's a learning difference. just a learning difference um do you want me to talk about some other books that were helpful yeah why don't we end with that just give us some any other books or resources uh so barbara aerosmith dyslexia 101 and then the other one that really helped me understand his brain in like his behavior was actually the gift of dyslexia um that one was really fascinating to understand like some of the nausea that's associated with it and why, like what's going on in the brain, why they're moving to compensate for that feeling they have of seasickness in their brain means they're moving so much. They're tapping their feet. Um, That one really truly helped me understand like, okay. And I'm not necessarily, there are some people that are super like, tell your kid they have dyslexia because Einstein was dyslexic and, you know, all these really cool people in science and history and art were dyslexic. And I, I do agree with that 100%. It just, it never got bad enough and we never had an actual diagnosis or a way to diagnose to do that. So I'm not against telling them that and encouraging them in that. But even, I guess, I think Ari said something to him the other day about you, you know, you used to be dyslexic and he came downstairs and he said, I, I was not. I was not dyslexic, was I? And I said, I don't know, because in reality, <laughs> we'll never know. I don't know. <laughs> and that's yeah. what I just told him. Like, I don't know. We helped you overcome it. God made your brain a little different. We don't know. And he was like, okay, well, I can read Little House now. I love Little House. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're good. You can. You're nailing it, dude. Yeah. So. Yeah. So ch- check those out if you're, um, you know, suspe- suspicious, like there's something going on. And do what Lexi, this is a good just general Example, I think when you run into an issue, do what Lexi did. Go reach out to everybody that you can think of that might yeah, have been Yeah, that's literally this. what I did was like, who do I know that has possibly done this that is mature? Because yeah, Google is not that helpful a lot of the time. No. Because and- it's, so, it's so owned by <sighs> like big pharma, big government. It's not going to... Here's something else I do want to say too is some Christians don't necessarily want to talk about, there's not a lot of Christian resources in terms of learning differences and special needs. And it can feel really lonely mm-hmm. because you can kind of be like, well, am I left up to the, like the government? Because with dyslexia, my understanding from that dyslexia 101 book is one of the only ways you can get diagnosed is if you're enrolled in the public school system. So then what yeah. happens to the rest of us Christians who are just letting the government make the resources for us? Yeah. So I, I think it is important to, to talk to mature Christians and just to bring more awareness surrounding these things. And I, yeah. I think really having a growth mindset, Doug, Pastor Wilson talked about that in one of his books on educations that Christian parents have to have a growth mindset when it comes to their kids. 
They just yeah. have to. And that's that's kind of what kept me going of like, I'm not going to give up and just put him in this box of like, this is what's wrong with you. Well, he's not good at this. Yeah, because I knew I'm like, God made the brain. God God wants me to be optimistic about this. This is God's story for this person, and I'm not going to stop figuring out what's going on. Even if we work on it the entire, until this child is an adult yes. and moved out, and we never satisfactorily figure it out. Yes. We're going to work on it the whole time. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep going until we yeah. just, you know, you do everything that you can, and you, you a growth mindset. You think, there's something out there I don't know yet that I can learn, and you, you have to advocate for your kids that way. Like, because yeah. the reason the public schools do all of this is because they have to, because so many millions of children are put in the public schools because basically we're with completely apathetic parents, yeah, who aren't going to do anything and always think it's someone else's job. So of course, like, oh, my kid has a problem. Public school, fix it. Like, f- give me a counselor. Give me a yeah. thing. Give me a program. And so they do. They spend millions and millions of dollars on these programs and what most of these kids need is a mom. Yeah. Who's going to advocate for them and actually know them. Yeah. It, it was super sad to think about like I had, I knew where to go because of my background with teaching and mm-hmm. just understanding philosophy of education. I knew where not to go. I had the time to research it. And the financial resources to invest in researching it as well as providing it for my child. And it was really discouraging to think about how parents don't have that option if they're in the public school setting. Yeah. You're literally assigned an officer Mm -hmm. from the school district that you're haggling with your family against the school district. And we're going to figure out what plan we're okay with spending money on for your kid. And that's Mm -hmm. it. It's not truly the best for the child. So there's a lot of work to be done is what I'm trying to say yeah. within the realm of Christians taking dominion through neuroscience and education. Oh, one more book that I read, Simply Classical, is about classically educating children with disabilities specifically. Yeah. Um, so that one I knew, that one set, I read that when my kids were really little, that set a very high view of education with genuine disabilities for me. And so I knew I wasn't going to settle because I had seen what this mom did over here. Yeah. So I do, I think even if you don't have kids that have disabilities, that is worth reading because it won't ever let you settle. Yeah. For what you're giving to your kids. Mm, Love it. All right, guys. Well, hopefully that was helpful for you. Um, We're going to be going to every other week, so we'll see you again in two weeks. Do check out uh, that great family company, indigosundrysoap.com. We'll put links in the description for you on that. Man, we hope that this this season has been helpful to you guys with the questions. You guys have sent in some really good questions. We're going to keep plugging on those, and uh, we'll catch you next time on Bright Hearth. 